0: God is doing something in the house. Amen. Can you just feel it? Can you just feel the 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 shaping and the changing and the encouragement? We just believe that God wants to just encourage you today. Um, We what we do is we pray for, you know, our series throughout the year. And and we just decided, you know, we felt like the Lord put on our hearts to do a, a short series on joy. Just joy, right? I mean, how many of you recognize we need joy? It's a a necessary commodity, amen. And uh, Robbie and I, if you if you don't know us, uh, Robbie and I are the lead pastors here at House of the Lord. And um, and by the way, with the the gala, I was actually had to leave, take her out, and so she could buy a dress. I mean. <laughs> Just gave. I, I mean, I'm thinking about all the giveaways. Yeah, I'm thinking about. Hey, there's a safari. There's guns. There's the auctions and all this stuff. And then she, the first thing she says, "I get to buy a dress." I just want to know. I, I just want you to know right now, in case you look, I picked out the shoes. Her shoes. I got them. I did it. I killed it. It was awesome. I'm actually on a roll when it comes to doing shoes for her. I never thought it would happen. I never, I never thought it would happen. But I mean, I haven't. You know. I haven't got one yet and got that, you know, like a mule staring at a new gate look, you know, like, ooh, what'd you get that for? But Robbie had been down at a, um, at a women's conference down in Redmond for the Promise Church a few months back. And I know that the whole theme was on joy and she, she was the, the speaker for that conference. So I know this, this whole thing has been really the river in her heart. And so we felt like we wanted her to open the series on joy this morning. So if you would put your hands together, give Pastor Robbie a great welcome.
1: Thank you. He took my coffee. <laughs> All right, fine. You just, you just keep that. All right. Oh, my gosh. I just wanted to tell you, I am really excited about the, the, um, the gala. Did you know that you can say that three different ways? Gala, gala, or gala. Anyway, but whatever. I'm excited for it because I do get to dress up, and I haven't done that since I was 17 in high school. So there's just not a lot of places you can actually dress up for. No one even cares anymore. It's really tragic. <laughs> Nevertheless, he did pick out my shoes and they are beautiful. They're sparkly silver. I'm super excited. I know, classy, right? Yeah, he's, he's good at shoes. Do I get that back? Okay, thanks. <laughs> I am really excited to be talking with you about joy. I think uh, joy is one of my favorite subjects to not only think about and to talk about, but it is something that I believe we need so desperately. We need it. Uh, It is is life to us. It is breath to us. And um, I got to say, did you know that God wants us to live in a place of joy? He does. He wants us to be full because this joy is for us personally— and for a witness to everyone around us that there is something real going on through that relationship that we have with Christ, it's a real thing, and it's a real witness. We're, you know, we're called to laugh in the face of danger. True, true word. Can I get an amen at least from that? Come on, I, it's like really. Okay, uh, yeah, we're called to laugh at the future, yep, and we are called to have sheer delight in our God, absolute delight, like, we should, as his people, be able to wake up in the morning and go, I am delighting in God right now, like, I am so delighted because of what God has done, he's awakened me, Right? And I've got this relationship, and I I have the opportunity to know the Most High God. I mean, that's awesome. Okay. So, (laughs) speaking of laughing, let's do something uncomfortable, shall we? Yeah. Okay. Um, Let's take a laugh break right now. Yeah, I know, right? Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on. Before we start, I'm going to set a timer. We are going to laugh. I mean, all of us, not just me and the three people in the front row. Let's just laugh. I know it's gonna feel forced and it's gonna feel a little awkward, but let's do it together and then it won't be so bad. Here we go. On one, two, three, go. <laughs> Notice those abs working. <laughs> 10, (gasps) 5, keep going, come on, you can do it, 3, 2, 1, oh, good for you. (sighs) Now, aside from feeling somewhat ridiculous, there's some interesting things about laughter, and, and we are going somewhere, we are going somewhere with this. So there was a man, and there is still a man, but uh, there was a man named uh, Norman Cousins. And he is—he was actually a political journalist by trade. He actually is the one who put the healing properties of laughter on the map. And uh, let me just see if I can tell this story to you. So he is a, like I said, he's a... a A journal. Journalist, sorry. He's a journalist. Political journalist. And after a particularly strenuous assignment, he came back and he noticed that his health had really gone downhill. And he was in a tremendous amount of pain. So he went in to see his doctor. And his doctor diagnosed him with... uh, let Let me just read this correctly. Ankylosing spondylitis which is an autoimmune disease that attacks your spine with arthritis. Now, th- this, is what is, this is what his doctor told him about this disease. 20% of those diagnosed with this disease recover. The other, 80%, do not. And they continue to live their life with pain in their spine, and uh, their spine er- um, erodes, Did uh, degenerates, degenerates. Am I saying that right? Anyway, yeah. So, so he decided that rather than going with the orthodox methods of dealing with this illness, he was going to do some research and find out something that would help him to gain some kind of recovery. Now, he was up to that point; he'd been traveling all over doing his job and had a life. When he was diagnosed with this, this situation, he did not have a life. And so he began to research. And he discovered that laughter is truly the best medicine. That a merry heart does do with good, like a medicine. He discovered the healing properties of laughter. And what, what he began to do is he... he <laughs> this is so funny. So to him... The funniest things that he ever saw were candid camera um, programs and Marx Brothers movies. And now, I, I can see the confusion on your face. Anyway, these were very, very funny. And they made people laugh without feeling guilty. I mean, you can laugh at something, but do you know how You know, sometimes you laugh at something and you feel a little guilty about it? Yeah, this was not that. This was flat-out belly laughs. And so he watched these movies, these programs, and he just... Every single day took time to laugh, b- with a belly laugh, like we were doing. Did you guys notice how your like, abs engaged when you were like really laughing? Okay, maybe it was just me. Okay. Anyway, so, at the, you know, so that was part of his therapy every single day. And what he discovered was if he could just laugh, really, really belly laugh way, for 10 minutes, he got two hours of pain relief. What? Yes. Okay. Uh, To make a long story short, he recovered to full health and did no longer uh, suffer from that degenerative disease because he laughed. He made a full recovery. Let me tell you what scientists believe that laughter does. It reduces pain by releasing endorphins, relaxing our muscles, and actually gets our minds off of our situation. The physical act of laughter helps our bodies in three ways. Are you ready? Number one, it works out our lungs like a workout. Praise God. That means we don't have to be on the treadmill. It causes us to breathe more deeply. Our hearts to pump faster and engages our muscles, which improves our circulation and our blood pressure. pressure. Okay, number two, Laughter relaxes our bodies and stops our brain from producing stress hormones that suppress our, our immune system. Okay. Number three, laughter activates our immune system and increases our natural defenses against cancer, viruses, and upper respiratory problems. Come on. Okay. Laughter and humor. Not the snarky kind that is making fun of people and mocking, but the other kind that's actually very funny, this funny stuff. Those are important tools for creating and sustaining mental and emotional health, which directly affects our physical health. Okay. Now let's talk a little bit about joy. Because we are going to connect these two. These are the words of Jesus, and he says this. He's talking to God his father and he says I am coming to you now but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that you excuse me so that they may have full measure of my joy within them. So Jesus was full of joy according to scriptures he was anointed with joy more than his companions. So now imagine yourself as a disciple and you're walking day to day with Jesus you're like going from town to town and he's doing all these crazy miracles and demons are fleeing and blah 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 blah. I mean, would you be filled with joy? Probably. Now just imagine that Jesus is filled with more joy than you. So he's got a bunch more joy than you, even though you're feeling joyful. Okay. Let me circle back literally to this, these notes I made. Anyway. So then joy is a work of the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. Okay. So first of all, there's Jesus. He's Filled with more joy than anyone, than anyone, y'all. Okay, and he wants us to have that full joy. And then the Holy Spirit, okay, it says here in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 23, says, But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives love, joy, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. There is no law against these things. So, picture it, picture it. Jesus' joy, okay, on one hand. Holy Spirit, work in joy in the other. Do you know what that means? You got a double portion of joy coming your way. Double, double portion of joy. So, according to Scripture, This kind of joy is our team uni. It's it's kind of a Christian thing, right? It's a Christian thing. It's like joy is ours for all that Jesus has done in our lives. Through our relationship with him, that is our portion. Would you say amen to that? Okay. Have I convinced you yet? I hope so because that's what the word says. So good old Webster tells us, I love... The dictionary. You know what I really love? I'm going to tell you what I really love. So I have this app on my phone. It's the Merriam-Webster dictionary. And so anytime somebody uses a big word, like when Jeff uses big words or when Joel uses big words, I get my phone out. I know it's probably rude, but I get it out and I punch in that word. And you know, I then I kind of then I'm in the know. So. Even though I think we kind of know what joy means, I went ahead and put it in my Merriam-Webster dictionary app, and I'm going to tell you what it says. The emotion evoked by well-being, success, or good fortune, or by the prospect of possessing what one desires. Delight, a a source or cause of delight. It could also be gaiety or bliss. (laughs) <laughs> this is my favorite, though. Are you ready? Are you at home ready? Here goes. Manna. What? True word. Literally. There in Merriam-Webster's dictionary, it's manna. Food miraculously supplied to the Israelites in their journey through the wilderness. Well, we all know that, but listen. Ho, ho, ho. Divinely supplied spiritual nourishment. A... Usually sudden and unexpected source of gratification, pleasure, or gain. Now, here's, I'm proposing this to you. Here's my proposal. What if, like manna, and they needed it every day, and they gathered it every day, what if that's what we have to have too? Like, we got to get it from God every single day. Like, you might get overflowed here on Sunday, but tomorrow you might need more because... It's manna, right? Say that with me. Joy is manna. Joy is manna. Okay. I feel like that's, that's like, put a star by that one. Okay. You know, and I think it's interesting too in Galatians chapter 5 verses 22 through 23 that joy is the second thing mentioned. What if it truly is, now this, I'm, I'm proposing it to you, Okay. What if it truly is the second thing that, have, that people need to see the most of? So they need to see our love, right? Jesus said, they'll know that you are my disciples by your love for one another, right? What if the second thing is joy that they need to see out of us? Maybe. I don't know. Okay. And joy is a weapon of our warfare. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but they're mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. Joy is a weapon of our warfare. Hmm. You know, the, world, the, the joy that I'm talking about here isn't, it's not something that the world gives to us. Can I just say this? You are not going to find joy on the news, um, the news thing, you know, that news cycle that happens every day that, where they give you bad news like, several times a day, anytime you want it. You're not going to find joy there. The world is not going to give you joy. And the world is not going to take it away from you, right? If it didn't give it to you, it can't take it away from you. But is that where you are right now? Are you looking for joy somewhere? Am I looking for joy somewhere else besides Jesus? Because if we are, that very same thing that we think we're getting it from is going to take it away from us. So this joy I'm talking about is lasting and abiding. It doesn't go away. Because Jesus doesn't want to take his joy away from us. Hallelujah. Okay, so we're going to talk about a little bit about what keeps us from experiencing joy. Here are some things that I believe suck the joy out of a person. Are you ready? Number one, grief. Grief with a capital G. Uh, you know, as we look at our lives, I can't think of a more grief-filled time in these last couple years. I, you know, I, I know we're coming out of it. I know we are, and we are, phew, on the other side of so many things, and yet sometimes there's still a lingering grief, isn't there? Anytime we experience loss, we can experience grief. So, as you look at your life, what you know, what kind of losses have you had to deal with? Maybe it's maybe it's the loss of a loved one. Maybe it's the loss of a job, or friends, or some coworkers. Maybe it's the loss of innocence. Yeah, can I tell you something? I was just thinking about this this morning. You know, I'm kind of a trusting person. And when, I, and maybe I'm naive, I don't know. I, I felt like these last few years, I have lost trust to people that I feel like I should be able to trust. That hurt I'm still kind of dealing with that, if I'm honest. It's not great. So the thing that we have to do is we, we have to bring our grief to the Lord. It's okay to grieve. Did you know that? Uh, it's human. It's, it's, a, it's part of our human existence. Until that day when he returns and takes us all where, you know, to where he, where he is, or until we leave this earth, you know, it's our time and we go to be with the Lord, we're going to experience grief. But it's what we do with that grief. See, it says that though sorrow may last for the night, joy comes in the morning. See, night was not meant to last forever. Grief is not meant to last forever. So if that's where you're at today and it's time, it's time to bring your grief to Jesus And let him deal with it. Let him heal that in you. Can I encourage you to do that? I love what Jesus says about himself in Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 3. He says, The Spirit of the Lord God is on me. Because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Isn't that awesome? to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, and the day of our God's vengeance, to comfort all who mourn, to provide those to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, festive oil instead of mourning, and splendid clothes instead of despair, and they will be called righteous trees, planted by the Lord to glorify him, Jesus wants to know your grief, if that's where you're at today, so that he can exchange it for the oil of joy. He lifts off sorrow. The second one that will steal your joy. Lack of time in God's presence. Ah! (laughs) The reality of life. We are going to go up and down. Life is, I think Pastor Jeff has said it this way, if you're not going through a hard time right now, and you're on the mountaintop, he's, he says, well, probably a little ways down the road, you're going to be in the valley. And then you'll be back up on the mountaintop, and then you'll be down in the valley. I know it sounds a little bit kind of manic, but that's, it's part of the, uh, life here. You know, it, we live in a fallen world. We're going to have ups and downs. Um, <clears throat> there's going to be trials, and we're going to be busy. I mean, we're going to be crazy busy sometimes and just like, ah, overwhelmed. Uh, There's going to be confusion and pain and just all manner of negative things. Doesn't that sound great? Right now, it doesn't sound great, but it's getting better. But we're also going to experience moments of great joy and great, I can walk on water. Like men on fire. Like men's summit coming up. If you are not If you haven't registered, please register for Men on Fire. My gosh. Don't wait. Don't do it now, but do it later. Just don't wait too long. Anyway, Women on Fire, bloom. I mean, these are all like mountaintop experiences. We meet with God, and we're just like, I can totally walk. I can walk right off the stage and float right through. Well, I probably shouldn't. I probably could, but I'm not going to because that would be tempting the Lord. and I'd probably break my leg or my foot. Anyway, uh, I don't even know where I was. Notes. Circle back. However life seems to be going, um, we have to always keep Jesus at the forefront of our lives. We can't not meet with him. You know, he, we just, we have to have our daily time of the Lord. I I love what takes place every Sunday morning in this house. I love it. I mean, it's, I leave from this place so encouraged. You know, we worship together, we hear the word, you know, we get, we receive ministry. And I, again, I'm just like walking on the water, right? But I can't wait until next Sunday to get filled back up. I need a daily dose of the Holy Spirit putting joy in my life. I encourage you to do that on a daily basis. I love, uh, I love Psalm 16:11 says this. It says, "You make known to me the path of life, in your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. You are a joy bucket." Look at that person next to you and say, "You are a joy bucket." You, come on, did you, do you know what that means? What do you do with a bucket? You fill it, right? You fill it with something. I mean, if you got a sand bucket, what do you fill it with? Sand. If you got a joy bucket, what do you fill it with? Okay, you're a joy bucket. Get filled. Number three. Something else that is going to suck the joy out of your, your, your life is striving in our personal current season, whatever it is that you're doing right now. Ecclesiastes 5, 18 through 20. So just as a side note, Ecclesiastes is kind of a strange book. Okay, like Proverbs is all about if you do this, then this will happen. Ecclesiastes is like, let's blow that out of the water. Anyway, Ecclesiastes, I invite you to read that one yourself. I mean, just do it. But let me just read this. Uh, Ecclesiastes 5, 18 through 20. Here is what I have seen to be good. It is appropriate to eat, drink, and experience good in all the labor one does under the sun during the few days of his life God has given him because that is his reward. Furthermore, now, I know that doesn't sound so great yet. Just keep, keep stay with me here. Furthermore, everyone to whom God has given riches and wealth, he has also allowed him to enjoy them. Ah, so good. Take his reward and rejoice in his labor. This is a gift of God, for he does not often consider the days of his life because God keeps him occupied with the joy of his heart. Now look, he wants to occupy you with gladness of heart, whatever season you're in. Okay, you might be like, if I see one more diaper, I'm going to scream right? I mean, you might be like I need to don't conversation. I can't take it anymore. You might be working with somebody you do not prefer. Ooh, did I just hit a nerve? <laughs> you might be single and not want to be single. You might want children and not have children. I mean, we can get in we we get into these seasons and sometimes you know what? Honestly, we compare ourselves to other people, and we say, "Oh, well, their season's so much better than, that, than mine. I want their season. But we have a season right in front of us that God said he will give us power to enjoy. He gives us the power to enjoy our life. Can I get an amen from anybody out here? Does anyone need that? Jesus, we need you. We need to enjoy our life. We don't curse our season when it is uncomfortable. We get to thank God for it. You know why? I know you guys know this. It's because God uses every single season in our lives to hone us, to shape us, to put things in us that wouldn't be there if they weren't if we weren't going through a hard season. We. You know what? We grow more through our hard seasons and we grow in those really super awesome seasons where things just feel like butterflies and rainbows. So we get to enjoy our lives. I love how the psalmist David said it. Again, in in chapter 16 of Psalm, write that down. You should probably memorize that. It says in verse 6 of chapter 16 of Psalm, it says, The lines have fallen for me, In pleasant places, indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. See, David was talking about what God, I mean, his portion, what what God had given him. And he was saying, yep, this is good. This is good. But think about this. He was a shepherd. And he was kind of like the odd man out of his seven brothers. Okay, he had seven brothers. And they didn't like him. And yet he was saying, Yeah, the lines for me have fallen in pleasant places. I have a great inheritance. So, my point here is that you can say that about those seasons of your life, you know, whether now or later, where it doesn't look so great. You get to say, The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. And my inheritance is good. I really think that's powerful. That's powerful right there. Okay, number four. Thinking that we are strong when according to the Bible we are not. I know that's really rough. Super rough. 2 Corinthians twelve nine through 10 says, but this is, this is Paul speaking to the church at Corinth. And he's talking about his conversation between him and Jesus. They're like this. Uh, But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you and my power is perfected in weakness. Therefore, I will most gladly boast all the more about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may reside in me. So I take pleasure in weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and in difficulties for the sake of Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. A lot of our stress, which leads to lack of joy, is believing this lie that somehow we can handle what life has thrown us without Jesus. Oh, my word. It's so not true. Nope, nope, nope. No, no, no. Our, our you know, our culture tells, when I say our culture, I mean our world culture, not our, our Christian culture, at least I hope, tells us that somehow we are enough to handle all of the things. Girl, you're enough. If we clearly were not. Clearly. If we were, we wouldn't need a savior. Right? We need Jesus at every point in our life. We need him on our good days, and we need him on our difficult days especially you don't need him more on your, see, how, how am I going to say this? You don't need him more on your bad days than you do on your good days. You need him the same. The same. Now, I want to lump a bunch of things together here, because uh, I think you know that what the Bible calls the works of the flesh, those, those are certain joy stealers. I mean, they will literally, they're literally kill joys. So that would be called being out of step with the Spirit of God. You know that we're at, uh, in Galatians uh, chapter five, verses twenty-two through twenty-three. It talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Well, right above that, in verses sixteen through twenty-one, it talks about the works of the flesh. So I'm going to talk about those just for a few minutes here. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. Right? And the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other and keep you from doing the things you want to do, which is do the things of Jesus, right? Okay. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, this is what it is. It's right here in the black and white of scripture. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, I know why you laughed, because why in the world was Paul talking to a church? Now, I, for, I don't even, I mean, okay. We live in conservative North Idaho here. And I know many of you. I'm fairly certain there aren't any orgies going on. And yet it's in scripture. It is, it's there. Now, I, I'm also sure that there are no seances going on at your backyard barbecues. Or uh, drunken parties, right? And I know, I know you, you're not stirring up riots in town. But is it possible, is it possible that there is some hostility between you and a family member? Uh, Or maybe some strife over the fence with your neighbor, envy jealousy fits of anger disputes getting involved with groups that promote weird stuff not orthodoxy of scripture us versus them kind of talk disobedience maybe see some things hit a little closer to home and those are those will steal your joy We all need to give those things a cease and desist order. We have to say no. We have to stop. We have to get back in step with the Holy Spirit. So important. Go where he's going. Walk where he leads us. Right? You know one final way that your joy can be killed? Exhaustion. Just pure exhaustion. When you are in this place of exhaustion, you cannot rally yourself. You're just exhausted. And sometimes the battle gets hard and heavy over your family, at your workplace. And many mighty ones have found themselves, even mighty ones like you, have found themselves in those places of just pure, unadulterated exhaustion. And that, my friends, is a tactic of the enemy. In Daniel 7.25, it talks about the enemy wearying the saints. Did you know that was in Scripture? The enemy wearies the saints. He gets us spinning around in circles, sends persecution, gets us confused, and we get weary. It is a tactic of hell. Now, I'm not saying that you can't work hard and be tired at the end of the day, but when you are working hard, and you fall asleep at night, and you wake up exhausted, that's not right. That's not normal. Did you know that? That's not normal. And that is of the enemy. And God does not want you to drag yourself through life with little energy and no verve. He wants you to be filled. And remember, He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall be filled. He stands ready right now. He stands ready. He wants to fill us. He wants to fill you. He wants to fill me. And he never makes us feel bad for where we're at. He never says, well, if you had only conserved your energy over here, you'd still have enough over here and you'd be fine. We say things like to our, that's, that kind of stuff to ourselves, and the enemy accuses us of that. But I'll be honest, that's not God. God so i encourage you right now if you are in a place where you saw yourself on any of those what were they six things five things six things if you could really relate to any of those today's your day to be filled today's your day to get that sense of okay i'm filled to overflowing you know what and you need more than a sip god doesn't give you a sip He doesn't ration out his spirit he pours out his spirit he doesn't give you just a drink he gives you an overflowing fountain he said out of your innermost being would flow a river you got an artesian well popping up out of you so let me pray for you you come here you Your hands all over this room. If you were in a place where, you, boy, do I ever need to be filled right now? I need Jesus like I've never needed Jesus before. Or it could be, well, I feel kind of half full. I could take some more. Or, you know, I'm good. It's probably about an inch low. Come on. Jesus, Lord, we come before you. We ask right now, God, that you would see your children. You see how thirsty we are, Lord. You see our thirst. You see our emptiness. Lord, you see that maybe we need to be topped off. Maybe we need to be half, the the top half filled. (laughs) Maybe we, God, wherever we're at, Lord, I pray that you would fill, fill. Spring up a well. Spring up a well. Spring up a well in each one.